In association with nzhikes.co.nz, it's Bushwhacked, not the wrestlers, lighthearted tales of adventure from the wilds of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Alright, dear listeners, welcome back. Uh, thank you for your uh, patience in this, waiting for episode 14 of Bushwhack, Not the Wrestlers. I'm Cam Clark, and uh, as always, my co-host Mark Wilson. Mark, how are you today? Well, kia ora. Good morning. Namaste to everyone out there. And How ironic it was that number 13 would be the episode we will record and then run into a few minor issues um so yeah like cam said uh glad you're still here because you are <laughs> if you were sitting there waiting and looking at the screen every hour or two i know the old uh, instagram and the and the facebook groups have been lighting up with people complaining about where uh, where episode 14's been so just apologies dear listeners uh, we won't we won't bore you with the details but no. there was there was some ongoing scheduling and then technical issues after that that were unexpected it was out of our hands yeah not completely not our fault wow yeah well you know no as as you cut. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But what's really funny is that now that there's now there's a lost episode. <laughs> yeah. So again, just a little peek behind the kimono there, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This will be the second attempt at recording part two <laughs> of Mark's epic trip to Nepal. And that does give us an excuse of if this one isn't that good, then the one we lost was really good. Um, and if this one is good then it's good that we got rid of that crappy one we did before so we've covered our bases right there exactly like i really hope that one day when we're uh once the podcast really takes off and and uh there's museums about it that they'll 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 find that lost episode maybe yeah Yeah. entire museums entire museums not just the wing of a museum yeah no, 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 no. <laughs> multiple museums to just this podcast in every state <laughs> in every state good i'm really glad we had a cup of tea before we uh before we started yeah, the podcast yeah. all right anyway uh moving on uh mark um i'm gonna need a mark injury update So, what's to report on? Well, lots to report on, I suppose, because it's been such a long time. Um, I'd say the train has pulled into the frustration station. Oh. And, and, it, and it hasn't left as of yet. Um, so, the annoying part at the moment is the sort of reality check of the thing I used to do was quite physical. And so there'll be points now where I think of my former fitness and things like that and sort of forget about my current state or look at my current state as being quite bad. Um, So, for instance, I I walked a track with my old man where we were probably just on the times that were stated on the sign. Um, And for me, that's that's bad. Um, And... Also, it's sort of a look into the future of what I've got to do to get back to, to my climbing and things like that. Um, yeah, so it's just annoying. It's annoying being in a, like, going back to almost, I guess, like, a unfit person's sort of ability of movement. Now, Mark, um, you are you are a 39, sorry, 40-year-old man now, I, 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 right, we'll I, I, I believe. <laughs> Twenty-five-year-old, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and that, and that's, and that is a bit of the old, the hard thing as well about what's going on. Um, it's, it's been a bit of a reality check, especially uh, when the birthday ticked over. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of a milestone. Yep. I'm sure, you've got. It's coming. Coming up at some. At it's some coming. Stage. Yep. Um, and 
like there's a couple of ways I can look at my situation um, and sometimes I look at it in the negative way now if you want to talk sort of poor mental health and whatnot uh, just picture yourself being someone who prided themselves on physical working hard so, yeah yeah uh, I would always look over the fact that I left school without much of uh, nothing and then didn't do anything else as far as the uh, sort of education went and I would be working with people with uh, sometimes a couple of degrees um, from going to university and so I would think well for me to, to sort of shine above them I've just got to work really hard mm. and with the old busted hip that was uh, unfortunately taken away sort of taken out of my hands uh, and then on the uh, the play side of things uh, there was I did a very physical thing. I mean, mountaineering is sort of putting your body to the limits of, of what it can actually mm -hmm. do. And so you've got to be quite fit. So there's been a few times where I've felt very old and also sort of looked back and thought, man, I was really fit at, at one stage. Um, well, um, you, you put a lot of stock in your physical capabilities, but... Um you know, as as uh, and you know, here's 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 a little bit of um, you know, pl platonic male love for you, mate. But you're a lot more than your physical capabilities. Mm. You and know? that's so. That's the thing. Like I've had um, I had a, a good sit down with my cousin and all that, and I've never worked somewhere where the main sort of focus of of the employment was my brain. It's always been. Just, just working hard and, and sort of the rest has sort of come from that. Um, luckily, I had a big, well, I've got to watch what I'm doing or I'm going to get old and look back at my life and think, oh, man, I wasted that. Um, when I changed from being a cabinet maker, building the old cabinets, stuck mm -hmm. in a factory, and then became a guide, a hiking guide on the Rootburn track. Um, and it was real lucky that that happened because otherwise it could be this situation, us having a chat, me 40, you nearly 40, and I don't have all these missions under my belt. All I've got is thousands of hours worth of cabinets being made. Oh, yeah, good point. Look at that. Yeah. There you go. So it's sort of, I, I yeah. you know that. And unfortunately, there has been a lot of times when it's really hard to look at that positiveness and the whole... Uh, you know, I wish I could climb a mountain right now and things like that starts coming back in. Um, are you, you still so, doing your uh, your physio and everything? Like, are you, Absolutely, you, yep, yep. Okay, so you're, you're still going to get better and better and better and better and better. Like, you've, you've still, you know, you yeah, like, if it takes a couple of years, whatever. I mean, you might not get back to where you were, but I'm sure you'll get back to a point where you're happy. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And um, it's been tough to to you because like you said you, you're like that's a point where i'll be happy and so you feel like you can't be happy until you get to that point mm -hmm. and then when you sort of look at the um the work side of things because now i'm at a point where you know I, I can i do believe that i can put in a good couple of hours a day excellent doing doing something but then it's what mm -hmm. what do i do now i've done all these things where it's it's been a physical aspect. It's just this sort of weird transitional stage. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what you've been in for a while now. It's just sort of in, in that kind of holding pattern, eh? Mm. And I, I guess for the listeners, um, th there will be a, you know, what, what are you doing now? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, like uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen next. So, um the book has been opened and the page is blank. All right. Well, very good. Well, not very good, but it's like it could be worse. And oh, like absolutely. big and big and pit and big picture, you're still doing well. You yeah, know? and it has it has been worse. That's the sort of thing to really focus on, and it's definitely better. So, excellent. Uh, now, um, I feel like uh, you should give us a little bit of a recap on what you told us last week. Uh, since it has it has been a while and I've completely forgotten yeah. all I've all I have here in my uh, my very detailed notes is uh, Mark went to Nepal. Yep. 
Yep. So give so, us a bit of a recap and then uh, let me know and we'll launch you into part two. Okay, so easiest way to say what's happened in 30 seconds is uh, in 2010, 2011, uh, there was a few earthquakes in Christchurch. Uh, the most devastating uh, being February 22nd, uh, and that's where we had a lot of lives lost in the beautiful town that both myself and Cameron grew up in. So pretty devastating, um, and it really hit home, literally. Now we fast forward to 2015, and the same thing happened in Nepal. Now I had a friend, or have a friend, who has been a guide over there for a long time. He was over there when the earthquake happened, and not only was he guiding customers, clients, lucky people to go and see the Himalaya, he was also working on a charity. Now at this stage, this charity was very small and it's known as the Active Hearts Foundation. Now after the earthquake, he sent a call out saying, we need some people to come over and basically provide aid, assistance, a bit of money, and we would go trekking into remote parts of Nepal and we would be going to the villages of his workmates. So being a, a Himalayan guide, as he is, he uh, had a lot of Nepali friends who, of course, had their own issues when the earthquake happened. So he put the call out and we came over and we started trekking. Now I'm not really going to get into too much detail about the actual trek itself. That's episode 13. So if you haven't listened to episode 13, this is where you need to stop listening go back and listen to episode 13 now while you're doing it we'll just we'll just sit here we'll just wait and uh once you take your time to that yeah we'll, we'll we'll get back to you okay all right good now you've listened yeah. to episode 13 <laughs> welcome back know that we've now gone to this very remote little village known as Grudel, and that's the home town of bebek who's one of the uh, Nepali guides who work with Dan. And Dan is the founder of Active Hearts Foundation. So we've wandered our way up into this village and as we've wandered our way up into this village, we've seen children and the children in numbers have grown. And it's really cool because they've known that we're coming, they've seen us, and now we get to the school that they all go to and it's nothing but chaos. Um, so it was really cool. You had kids seeing uh, Westerners um, that were just blowing their minds, seeing people that are completely different from yourselves. Um, I mean, us in the uh, developed world, that's the, the word that we're using now, isn't it? Uh, mm -hmm. we, we sort of don't understand that. We've got the internet and everything, and that sort of uh, mind-blowing situation, I guess, just doesn't happen now. But if you're a little kid growing up, in a very remote village in Nepal, then um, this is happening right now. So it was really cool seeing that happen and also throwing a ball into the masses. So we had a rugby ball and we threw it to the kids. Now, of course, rugby is a concept I don't think has been developed in, in Nepal <laughs> yet. Um, I, I mean, give it a few years, maybe. They just got into the um, Cricket World Cup qualifying, so they're... They're getting there. Um, and so basically the kids just ran around. Whoever had the ball got obliterated by all the other kids. The ball would pop free, and then another kid would grab it. And uh, it's it's a real sort of testament to how tough the Nepali people are when you watch them doing this, because these are little kids. And, I mean, I've got a six-year-old niece who um, is, you know, roughly... I don't think she's, she's older than that. She's eight, sorry. Um, and I know she's tough, but she would not survive getting hit. <laughs> and they're not, it's just gravel. They're just falling onto gravel. It's not uh, a lovely grass field or anything like we're used to here in New Zealand. Um, so it was amazing to see this and just chaos. And then the teacher came out and sort of got the chaos under control. 
and we got a photo which is sort of a photo that is sort of etched into my mind is this is this all part of your recap no, this is the, we're into it now. No, we're into it now. All right. Yeah, we're into it. All we're right. Into it. Oh, okay. Right. So, so you're you're now you're now in Nepal, and now you're 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 telling we've us new got, information. We've got to where we needed to go. All right. Um, so you got to where you needed to go, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And then the fun stuff is is now you're doing what you came here to do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. Just clarifying for all the all the fans at home. Uh, and and. F- but I'd say for the fans at home, um, also now, I mean, you can multitask. There's, there's no trouble with doing that, I'm sure. And just jump on to activeheartsfoundation.org and you'll see what's, what's really happened from just small, humble beginnings. Um, this thing has grown massive and we're about to continue the story in October when uh, myself and my parents head over. And, and do a similar trick to the one that I'm talking about. Um, so this was the first of these tricks as well, just to sort of put it into context. Now, we, uh, we sort of hung around this village for a couple of days and did different things, um, had lots of feasts, and also had a little bit of a cultural exchange. Um, and the cultural exchange involved a haka, and of course the haka is uh, part of Māori culture and it's a war dance and kind of terrifying I guess if you don't know what's coming so it was um, sort of told to the kids be, be wary of what's about to happen this is us showing our passion uh, to you uh, and it was awesome to do a haka and to show these kids a bit of the Māori culture which is now all throughout these libraries which Active Hearts have put into many different schools. Of course, with all the funding coming from New Zealand, um, there's a lot of books with mm. uh, te reo Māori um, culture in them and um, lots of pictures on the walls, posters, mm-hmm. with uh, things all in te reo Māori. So it's really cool yeah. to go to these villages now and see all this. Yeah, the haka, less of a, less of a dance, more of a display display exactly yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of passion and uh, with the soccer world cup there's been a bit of a hoorah about people um just just taking the mickey out of the hucker and oh yeah i heard about that yeah um it it's not taken very nicely here <laughs> to say the least yeah no we don't like it no i don't so yeah. i mean you don't just do a hucker um it's 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 a big it's a thing it's like it's it's not just like it's not just a silly fun thing yeah Mm. no it has it has a deep uh spiritual and cultural significance and Mm. it's not something that you should yeah take take lightly Mm. but anyway Um, so we've got to now move on from this village um and we've got to make our way towards lukla um it'll take us a few days to get there um, but basically, once we get to Lukla, we'll be flowing from uh, the Hillary Tenzing Airport, or the Lukla Airport, back to Kathmandu and then back to our lives. Um, now, a little side note about that airport. Uh, it is classified as the most dangerous airport in the world. And um, the reasons being, it has about a 500 metre runway. Hmm. So... Just have a think about that. Not have much. a think about sitting in a plane when it taxis out to its runway and how big the runways actually are that planes take off from. This thing is tiny. And it's also on a very steep pitch on the side of a mountain. Now, when you land, you're landing uphill, and that's what slows you down because it's such a small wow. runway. And when you take off... You basically get to the end of the runway. How do you how do you land uphill? How does the plane not crash into the hill? I'm not a pilot, um, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, also, um, just on that sort of landing aspect, if you overshoot the runway or something goes wrong in that that sort of part of the flight, uh, you don't really have enough room to turn around because there's big mountains in behind the airport. 
Oh, so kind of, uh, oh fun. Yeah, you're kind of doomed. Um, <laughs> and we're walking towards this, funnily enough. Um, so motivating, to say the least. But we've had to say goodbye to the Gurdell, which was this little village we spent a couple of days at. And, I mean, the view of the Himalaya from there, it's one that makes you think, I could just not go back. I could mm. just stay here. Become one of the villagers. Blend in wouldn't blend in very well um, but it's just so beautiful so peaceful and for hundreds and hundreds of years it's been the village um, of the, uh, the the people that live there now I mean it's a, a very old site and uh, it was very cool to spend so much time there but of course we had to get back to reality so from this little village the first thing we have to do is drop down into the, basically the bottom of a valley and then climb back up to the height of the village that we're at to then begin our trek sort of further away. Um, and that's a pretty demoralizing thing to look at, yeah. to know that you've got to go down and then all the way back up. Um, so at least we had sort of the distraction of the, the trickle of kids, I'd say, is the best way to explain it. Um, as we walked away, um, started off with a lot of kids, and then you knew that the last kids were the ones that probably pushed their parents to the limits because um, they weren't supposed to be following us. Uh, and then eventually we were down at the bottom of the hill going back up, and that was sort of the end of that part um, of our story in this part of the world. So it was kind of sad to say goodbye, um, but also it's it's just nice to know that We've delivered a lot of aid, um, medical-wise, mm -hmm. um, knitting from all over the world for these kids. So, yeah, it was really cool. Big big grins on our faces as we walked away, um, holding back the tears, if that makes mm, sense. Nice. So uh, from Gurdell, uh, the next stop was a little tea house in a village called Bong, B-O-N-G. And... It was at this tea house that there was this massive picture of Sir Edmund Hillary. And it was pretty awesome for us to say to the uh, the owners of the tea house, I mean, we're from New Zealand and they know exactly where New Zealand is. And you can go all around the world, and I'm sure you've had it, Cam, and you say you're from New Zealand and people say, uh, is that near England? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, no idea where it is. So... Um, these guys in this very remote part of Nepal knew exactly what New Zealand was and uh, they knew Sir Ed. So that was really cool just to sort of look up and see Sir Ed in this big poster um, and then drink our tea and carry on. So we hiked up into a, a sort of a thick mist and like you would have heard on the uh, first part of the story, every day just seemed to go a little bit longer than... Uh, was sort of first expected and so we're hiking up into this mist and eventually we get to our tea house which is the one we're going to be spending the night at mm -hmm. and it's sort of fading light now we have a feed and then we go to sleep uh, now I've always been an early riser so the next morning I was up sort of wandering around and as I'm wandering around I'm looking at this tea house and you're sort of thinking it's you know, a few cracks in the uh, sides of the walls there, and it uh, looks like it's sort of moved on the foundation maybe a little bit. Um, so <laughs> it's sort of things like that that you just don't think about because, of course, the earthquake was only a couple of months before. Um, so uh, you just sort of don't worry about that aspect and look at the beautiful mountains that surround us. Um, so Yeah, just don't up, think about it, right? Yep, yep, we've survived that night, so move on. Um, and speaking about the mountains, it was sort of every day uh, from Gurdell, we were getting closer to the big peaks. So we're talking mm -hmm. about the, the six to 7,000 metre peaks. Um, so they were sort of looming in the background, and that background was getting closer with each day. Um, so from this sort of rickety old shelter, we carried on, um, and it was a sort of a tale of going down into a deep river valley and then up the other side, and then down into a deep river valley, and then up the other side. 
Uh, now it was at and up the other side part that we got to 3200 meters I think it was um, which was our highest altitude now a lot of people when I say that I go trekking in Nepal all the time they sort of think of Everest Base Camp which is about five and a half thousand meters mm-hmm. um, what's do you want to do the feet for our North American listeners there Cam? I do I do not but times okay. times right. <laughs> times it by by maybe twi- twice in a bit yeah 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 so it's that's where you are taking in breaths of air that is a lot thinner than what humans are used to um so we only got up to a part like that once on this trip um and it does show that nepal does have the himalaya and that is a very spectacular part of it but there's just so much more Mm. Um, and and that's why this aid that goes out to this country I mean, if you really want to get help to people that need it, you've got to make sure it's not just going to the places that are the main trails that all the hikers go to, like Lukla, Everest Base Camp, all that sort of thing. Um, So it's really cool to know that the Active Hearts people are doing work in these parts of Nepal, which is where we're going to go, that that travellers just don't go to, because it's not Everest, man. Yeah, yeah. If if you're going to Nepal, you gotta go to Everest. I know, and it's it's the it's the ego mountain, really, um, which is a shame because it's goddess mother of the earth. Yeah, a lot of people don't go there with that idea in mind. Um, but we're trekking towards where they start that journey, which is Lukla. Um, so as we're trekking now, we are starting to see. We saw our first sort of party of Westerners for the last week or so. Um, so we are getting closer um, and closer to to where civilization is, I guess you'd say. Um, but it was on this journey that we struck probably the saddest part of, I almost say, all of my um, trips to Nepal so far. Mm-hmm. And that is when we came across a, a man who... His mother was suffering, um, and when our nurses, we had two nurses on our trip, went down and had a chat, it turned out that this lady most likely had kidney stones. Now, not a nice thing to have, but when you're two days sort of trek on the back of a a donkey or a pony, um, you know, it's not nice to do that with kidney stones. And all our girls could do, our nurses could do, uh, was say, you know, here's some Tylenol, here's some Panadol, um, don't take them all at once. And it was just a, a reminder of how remote Nepal is. I mm. mean, when, when the elderly have issues in New Zealand or Canada, I mean, they go to a hospital, they get help. Whereas there, I mean, if you've got a, a thing that needs a doctor, um, if you're not lucky enough to be near a medical center, which is a lot of the country uh, then you're just going to suffer and I mean the the sort of painkillers that this lady needed our girls couldn't they just didn't want to give to them because they knew that uh, they might take one and say well the pain's not going away so I'm going to take five of them Um, so it was just a a real sort of crushing thing to see and then walk away from yeah Um, it was a yeah an eye-opener to say the least um, but we trekked on, and uh, we got to our last stay before we would get to Lokla and end our trip. And uh, it's there that I saw my first 7,000-meter peak, um, not from a plane. So on our flight in, or yep. flight in to the country, I saw the Himalaya. But now I'm looking at these massive mountains, thinking, oh, New Zealand mountains aren't as big as I thought they were. <laughs> so it's quite humbling. In that aspect. I had the same um, thing when I uh, drove through the Canadian Rockies. Yeah. I, uh, I, always, I always like to say, in, in New Zealand, we built our roads around our mountains. But, like, in Canada, the mountains were too big, so they just exploded mm. their way through them and built a highway. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Tunnels and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, we're, we're pretty um, basic here in New Zealand. Um, and that, that's a big thing I love about Nepal. Um, there's not many countries you can go to. When I went to Japan, I went to what was considered remote parts and quiet parts, and it was still very busy just because there's so many people 
um, mm. in a small country. Um, so come to New Zealand once again uh, to all tourists out there. You'll be able to go to a place where there's no one. Mm. And that's pretty rare these days. Um, so we're hiking now to where there are lots of people and um, we're on our last sort of leg of our journey. And it was on this journey that we started to hear aircraft, helicopters and planes. And that's when you know, all right, we're getting close to Lukla. Um, and then we, we sort of saw the village, well, village, town, city, uh, and hiked our way up past this airport, remembering it's the most dangerous airport in the world. And you're looking at this runway, and it is, we're walking sort of uphill, and we're at the same angle as the runway. And you're thinking, that's, that's where the planes land mm. and take off. We're going to take off there tomorrow. So uh, you're sort of happy we've got to the end of our trip. That was sort of emotions going through our minds. Nervous because we've got to fly from the world's most dangerous airport yep. to Kathmandu. That's going through our mind. Uh, but also a little bit sad because the trek is coming to an end. And it's been more than just a hike. Um, so much has been sort of learnt, uh, very humbling. And it's made mm -hmm. us all think about our problems and how small and sort of minute they actually really are sometimes when you look at the big picture and what other people are going through. Um, so with all those sort of emotions, we get to our lodge, our last lodge, with flushing toilets and all these things that we hadn't had up until then, very fancy. Um, and then we have our last meal uh, with the last sort of of our team. Now by this stage, we've said goodbye to all of the dudes that were carrying uh, a lot of the clothing and everything. And it's basically now just this sort of family group uh, of the, the main guides, uh, Bibek, Ajun. And we're, we're sort of dancing away, having this feast and really enjoying ourselves. And then on the other side of the room, you've got a group who have just met their guides and they're about to hike to Everest Base Camp. Uh, so the contrast was awesome. Mm. You've got this group very uh, subdued, just sitting there chatting. The, the guide is trying to explain what they're going to do, what each day will be like. And then on the other side of the room, you've got this complete noise of dancing and drinks flowing and... It's, uh, it's was quite good, I guess, for these people to see that once you do a trick in Nepal, you've, you've done more yeah. than just a trick. Like, it's a real life-changing experience, um, which I'm really looking forward to in October. Um, now, we've got to get out of Lukla. We've got to get back to Kathmandu before we can go home. So a sort of restless night was had, and then in the morning, we're getting up, and we're trekking to the airport. Now we get to the airport and the airport is run on the weather. It's not run on schedules or anything mm -hmm. because you've got these really tight valleys which the planes have to fly through. And a lot of it's just done by visual. It's not by any sort of electrical instruments or satellites or anything like that. Um, so it's a lot of waiting around and then all of a sudden chaos. And I was warned about it and what was really awesome is when it happened, um, Arjun, who's like our main Nepali leader, he is the, the sort of second in charge of Active Hearts. He's the, mm -hmm. the, the Nepal man. Um, when everything happened and it all went chaotic, he didn't go on the line. He wasn't lining up. He went around the line and to the back of the, the desks there and got us sorted out while uh, all these other Westerners sat there probably thinking, what the, what's going on? So we were sorted out pretty quickly. Um, it's not what you know, Cam. It's who you know. There you so, go. So um, all these planes now start just flying in. It's, it's gone from being an empty tarmac to about five or six planes, all engines running, all this noise, and you don't walk across uh, a ramp or anything to get onto the plane. You walk out onto the... Uh, the tarmac of the airport itself and you've got the spinning blades of the planes right there just going away all this noise all this wind being created yep. and they sort of lead you to your plane and uh, 
and then there you are you're you're preparing yourself for takeoff and so we're all sitting there um, it's the first time I've looked across and seen Dan our leader our boss he didn't look confident <laughs> which, <laughs> it's yeah it was a bit of a sort of okay like he wasn't joking like every time you, you fly in Nepal you sort of get your, get your um, things in order make sure the will has been filled out properly and uh, yeah, off yeah. you go so um, we taxi out and we get to the top of this runway and you look out the window and it just sort of drops away you can't really sort of see from the, uh, the back of the plane anything you just look out and you see sky in front of you so you then feel the plane's engine start to rev up because they put the brakes on and get the engines at full power. And, I mean, I've always been someone who, when I go on a, a flight, like in a helicopter or in a small plane, um, just hoorah, let's get it, let's go. Yep. If this is the end, I'm going down, you know, at least it's going to be a, a, in burning glory or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then other people in our group... Um, they were pretty pale because you know what's coming up. And so the brakes are released. Off we go. We go flying down. We're not flying yet, sorry. We're still on the ground. Yeah. But we're rolling down the steep runway and then the ground's just dropping away and we're taking off. Now, it was just as we took off, the sort of shudder of the engine, uh, the plane taking off, that uh, one of the girls' seats just came out from uh, the uh, the body of the plane. The bolts sheared off. So wow. she was now in a seat which was not attached oh to the plane my anymore. God. And so we're all thinking, this is not good. Like, what else is going to fall off this plane? Um, but the hostess, there's only just a single um, hostess on the plane, she just really calmly, in the sort of steep angle of the plate ta plane taking off, got up, walked over, got this girl, helped her to her seat, the hostess's seat, got her strapped in, and then just calmly went back and sat in this unbolted seat <laughs> until we were sort of flying and at an altitude where um, wow. things were a lot calmer. And so that's happened, and you're thinking, well, we're, we're in the air still. I mean, we've still got to get down, we've still got to land, so... Um, confidence wasn't flowing through the team at this stage hmm. um, so we're flying and what was a good distraction was the fact that we saw Everest Sagamatha there it was behind us this big dark triangle which is the tallest mountain in the world um, so you've sort of that's Nepal for you all these sort of highs and lows of emotion I guess um, where you go from uh, sort of panicked danger to oh look at the pretty mountains yeah <laughs> so sort of long story short we get to the booming metropolis of Kathmandu you fly in you start to see just this really densely populated area and the wheels touch down the uh the tires skid and we've made it we have arrived back in Nepal uh and our trip is basically over because from here it's back to the hotel, um, back to Tamil Eco, and then we depart and part ways. So it's huh. kind of the saddest part of the entire journey. Um, the mish has come to an end. And so we sort of uh, go back to Kathmandu. We have our final meal um, in town there. And then it's time for a little bit of a celebration and it was during this celebration i got something that a lot of people get in Kathmandu, which is known as low altitude sickness usually brought on by having just one or two too many cups of tea yes so um the ending of this tale which it just seemed to have a little sting a little bite was the fact that this whole mission began while there was a fuel blockade from uh, India. So Nepal was having issues with not only the earthquake, but a lack of gas uh, for cooking and whatnot. 
and also fuel, petrol, diesel. It was getting blocked yep. uh, due, due to political issues that were going on in the country. So the plane's sitting on the tarmac and the pilots are working out where they're going to get fuel from to fly us to the next leg of our journey. And this took an hour. And I'm sitting there in a plane that's now turned off. There's no air conditioning. It's very muggy, very hot inside the plane. And uh, I'm suffering. I'm very, very suffering here. Um, and it was probably three times that I just quietly unbuckled my seatbelt, made my way to the lavatory of the, uh, the aircraft. And um, I said hello to the big phone that is the toilet. Oh, oh, I won't oh. go into too many details. You know what you know what I mean. Hello, the big and phone. Then, <laughs> hello, and uh, I would then exit the lavatory, probably looking as white as a white sheet, and quietly sit back down again. And wow. um, eventually, they worked out right. We can go to Bangladesh, and that's where we're going to get fueled. And so that's about an hour or so's flight from Kathmandu. And so then we land, and it's sort of the same thing. They have to turn off the plane to refuel it. And we're sitting in this very muggy, very hot atmosphere. And eventually, it took forever. Um, but I got home, back to New Zealand, and it took about three days to really recover. Um, not just because I had a couple of cups of tea in Kathmandu afterwards, mm -hmm, but also mm -hmm. it was just so big. Just the whole getting there, the sort of emotional toll from um, yep. all these sort of highs and lows of the trip. Now, of course, the lows weren't anything bad, so to speak. Um, it was more the lows of just seeing what a third or developing country is really mm. like. Mm. I hadn't been anywhere like that um, up until then. And so very humbling. It very educational. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking at New Zealand thinking this place is a paradise, but now it's even more of a paradise than I thought before because we can do so much in this country. Um, we are very well taken care of. I mean, when I hurt my hip, uh, I, I live in a country where I can have a, an income. I mean, I, I mm. have a mortgage to pay. I bought a house um, and... In other countries, they don't have that sort of help. Um, like the lady with the kidney stones, it's basically do the best you can and get on with it. Um, so it's, I sort of kissed the ground when I got back to New Zealand. Um, <laughs> but then also I thought that's the experience that I want to keep repeating and did up until COVID. I would go back each year um, to different places in Nepal just as remote, um, just as in need of uh, help. And in October, we are going back and we will continue to do these treks with the Active Hearts Foundation, taking uh, aid into these uh, very remote parts and, and keeping the tradition of libraries in schools. So uh, we've put many libraries into many schools now and uh, we're about to do another one. So. Um, if you'd like to know more, sort of segueing on into the sort of end of this tale, uh, activeheartsfoundation.org is where you need to head to. Or you can just go to nzhikes.co.nz and uh, check out other stories, uh, other missions, uh, but also check out Active Hearts. There's a link right yeah. there. Well, very good. Excellent. Well, um, oh, fantastic, riveting second part to the tale. Um, our first ever double part, and man, we sure made the uh, listening audience uh, <laughs> yeah. wait and salivate for this one, didn't we? <laughs> well, it's like Avatar. This is our this Avatar. avatar. This, this is, is our Avatar way of water. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But, 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 I mean, I went to the first Avatar and thought it was, you know, a movie. It's pretty pretty. Uh, but then I went to the second one and was like, this is the same thing. So hopefully, um, <laughs> you know, this is more riveting. I mean, I mean, if you liked the second one, then that's fine. Um, yeah, but 
Uh, Very good. Move on from that. All right, now it is uh, it is time for um, my favourite segment uh, on uh, Bushwhack, not the wrestlers. Um, it is talking Toreo with Mark and Cam. All right, very good. So, <laughs> you sly dog. I deserve it. I deserve it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, um, just for uh, anyone new, um, you shouldn't be new because why would you be listening to part two of a uh, of a two part yeah. series? But uh, for everyone listening at be. home, you might be. Uh, this is a uh, um, segment that we do here at uh, Bushwhack, not the Wrestlers. Um, and how this is going to work is is that uh, I have selected a uh, Maori word uh, that we will be pronouncing, or that Mark will be attempting to pronounce in the correct Toreo fashion. Uh, and then uh, we will be following that up uh, with Mark not uh, pronouncing it in the correct uh, Toreo Maori fashion. Uh, and then finally, we will be uh, hearing a North American rendition uh of the same word uh said uh and it's all for laughs and uh also i would also like to announce a special guest has just burst into the room who's going to be helping us out today with the oh, north american a, pronunciation we have an actual north american it's sean soloway ladies and gentlemen well hello everyone <laughs> i just i just uh, learned that the podcast was happening as i was running out yeah. the door to a birthday party so i realized i have to storm in i'm almost out of time <laughs> so so forget the birthday party because you've got other things to do now. Oh, I do. Yeah. Maybe we start with the North American accent. My girlfriend is waiting in the car. Okay. She's holding so, the cake. Here it is. Here it is. The word is. I'm going to spell it out. Are we ready? W H A K A P A P A. Waka Papa. Now you may leave in shame. Farewell, all. <laughs> That's just the North American pronunciation. That's not how I pronounce it. I would normally go for the authentic pronunciation, but had to give it as as, as, as much North American as possible. This was your role. You fulfilled it. You fulfilled it grandly. Much love, everybody. I'm going to edit in what, whatever audience sounds I feel are appropriate. Uh, Mike and, hisses, I hope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the door is shut. The door is shut. <laughs> and we are moving on. All right, is it my turn? It's your turn. All right. Fuck a papa. Oh, bravo. Easy, easy 10 out of 10. Excellent, excellent. Because um, there are certain things about this one that... Um, Another one with... Oh, yes. You're talking, shock, obviously, you're, obviously you're talking about the deep cultural uh, significance. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and now, uh, finally, uh, to follow up, can you give us the uh, pronunciation of someone who doesn't... A New Zealander who doesn't care to pronounce it the correct way, please. Yeah, no, no jest here. No, you know, we're not aiming any shots at anyone we're just saying just, what we just, heard as, yep. as we grew up uh, anyway i'm getting the hurry up in here uh, <laughs> so uh on um on the the mountain uh, there's a ski field and that ski field is fuckapapa yeah there you fuck-a-papa. go this is actually one of those fuck-a-papa. this is actually one of those ones that's kind of like pretty similar so it's like fuckapapa mm. and fuckapapa fuckapapa mm. uh, then mm. also if you uh, are young people growing up uh, going through uh, middle school or intermediate school, you also follow that up with a titter of laughter as well. <laughs> Fuck yeah. a papa. <laughs> and I've actually seen, uh, just a little side note on the uh, giggling and laughing about it, um, Jack Black, of all people, he was uh, in the house in New Zealand on a morning program. I'm sure you have mm-hmm. them over there. And um, he had to say the ski field report and he when they told him what to say he refused to say it because he thought he was swearing i mean as you can imagine um, he thought he thought they were they thought they were trying to prank him or whatever trying to set him up um and i mean it's that thing where like you know one person's word which is very deep i mean fuck a papa is a 
is a is a big thing in in Maori culture. Yeah, just for the folks at home who might not know, it's uh, I believe it refers to like ancestry, or your mm. your your ancestors, which is a very deep cultural uh, significance to um, Maori culture. Because yeah. it's the tale, the tale of you getting to be you. There you go. Basically. Well said. Mm. 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 And um, yeah, and to other people, uh, definitely the first part is a swears, a bit of a swears words. Well, that's what uh, that's what we were intimating before, but thanks for spelling it out for everyone, Mark. Well, yeah, yeah, giggle, giggle, hee, 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 hee. So there you go. There Wonderful. You go. Awesome. Well, um, I guess that's about uh, all we've got time here for on uh, Bushwhack Not The Wrestlers. Again, as I said, Mark, riveting two-part episode. You're welcome, everyone, uh, we're for, for, uh, for, for coming back, you know, at great demand. And um, again, as always, uh, Active Hearts Foundation, um, which was uh, <clears throat> uh, Active Hearts... What is it again, Mark? ActiveHeartsFoundation.org dot org there you go now also nzhikes.co.nz that's the website uh instagram nzhikes mh wilson uh facebook slash nzhikes uh you can send us an email bushwhack not the wrestlers at gmail.com not doing not doing uh a twitter anymore uh because of laziness and because it, it looks like it's imploding and it's really funny to watch it implode yeah it is uh, it is it's yeah. um it's billionaires having a billionaire battle yes yes it's fun to watch the billionaire battle unfold um and yeah. not be part of that so i don't know funny funny and sad though when you think of all that money like and you know like we just talked about with developing countries they could they could save a developing country with all yeah. that money but yeah but no, uh, no 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 rather johnson's around ra- rather hold on to it thank you very much yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, also guys, yeah, give us, give us reviews on, um, on the old, uh, Apple five stars, please. If you could, it helps oh, apparently. Oh, oh, and Cam, Cam, mm-hmm. Cam. Yes. I have, uh, locked and loaded with the customs form, uh, 10 copies of my book. Uh, now my book, wonderful, um, which is a book designed to raise money for this trip in October and for our North American friends we are sending 10 copies to Cam to North America which makes it a lot easier than um, if you want to get it from way down here in the South uh, Island of Aotearoa New Zealand so yeah I'm sending 10 copies over they are packed they are being sent and if you want it just get in touch with us as Cam said all mm-hmm. of those places and uh, you can get your hands on one and that you having something that you can have a little read of, but also know that you've contributed to this really awesome cause. I mean, yeah. I don't keep going back to Nepal year after year if it wasn't a good cause, and um, it is a very good cause. Very cool people, very cool people to help. Excellent. Well, um, awesome. Well, once again, this has been uh, Bushwick, not the wrestlers. Uh, Kakiteano. Got folks. Kaki Tech.